0: FM Talk Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Mark Cox Morning Show. We are coming to you live from Jefferson City this morning in the beautiful Capitol Rotunda, and we are covering the opening of the legislative session, trying to get a Maybe a little bit of an advanced look at some of the big issues that our Senators and House members are going to be debating uh, this session. Right now, we're fortunate to have Lieutenant Governor of the State of
2: Missouri, Mike Kehoe, at the table with us. Sir, how are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Welcome to Jefferson City. Well, thank you. The place looks beautiful. Yeah, this is a beautiful building, and uh, we are fortunate as citizens of the state to have such a building. It's one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful, capital in the United States. Yeah, you served over here for how long? Uh, eight years in the Senate. Okay,
1: all right, yeah. and and of course now as lieutenant governor, and you're hoping to occupy the governor's
2: office here at some point. Well, we're gonna we're giving it a shot. We're working hard, and uh, and you know my business was just two miles from here. So for 30 years, I looked at this building from the outside. So it's uh, interesting <laughs> to be on the inside. Now.
1: Yeah, uh, very much so. Uh, yesterday, the big news out of Jeff City was the the governor holding a news conference talking about his executive order on 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 specifically china but but foreign competitors owning land in missouri
2: yeah adversaries to our country uh, was the announcement Um, there's a list published by the uh, united states department of state that would tell you who here are the countries it's a short list that we consider our enemies and the governor's announcement was those countries on that list would not own land close to a strategic military installation within a 10 mile radius okay um that's something that's
1: been debated in missouri since you were in the senate why why is it taking us so long to get there
2: well the governor's a farmer legislator i think he has respect for the legislative process it would say let's try to put something together here in the building before our governor has to step in and do it um you know china's threats towards our country have gotten worse and worse in the last several years and uh, because the legislature hasn't acted so far he did what he had within his executive powers but he has said this is the first step if the legislature this year can make things that are a little bit better for instance real property let's not balance the problem of this issue on the backs of missouri's farmers and farm families uh, let's make it all across the board it should be not just urban or rural areas it should be urban areas as well so there's plenty of room if the legislatures decide to improve uh, what the governor announced yesterday to do that
1: do did you wish it had been done sooner
2: well, I mean, you know, I don't live in the rearview mirror, so this is an opportunity to move forward and at least establish something. And maybe this conversation helps the next conversation. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I as we look at this legislative session, I, I know that there's discussion about initiative petition reform. We we already know that there are petitions circulating to try to get abortion into the Missouri Constitution. Um, where do you stand on the initiative petition reform? What What
2: form of it might you support? Yeah, I think it should be a lot harder to change our Constitution. I mean, for goodness sakes... Um, Whether you're for or against recreational uh, marijuana, it added 200 pages to our Constitution, for goodness sakes. And so I'm not sure we want to put into our Constitution, in that particular instance, um, the right to actually protect businesses and how they operate and all those things. I'm a business guy. We should live in a competitive market. I don't think we should have the Constitution, in that instance, uh, being the guide for that. So it needs to be tougher to change our Constitution because uh, groups are able to do it pretty easily right now, and I think the Constitution is something that um, we should take as a pretty uh, sacred kind of act and uh, guidance of how we should go forward.
3: Mr. Lieutenant Governor, this is Kim. I'm just curious. I know in the past you've said you'd be open to potentially altering the ban to include uh, some exceptions. Are you still standing firm on that?
2: Well, yeah. Let me say every vote that I've had and everything I've been a part of in this building has been to protect innocent life. Uh, that's the way I was raised from there in St. Louis. i uh, um, that's that's who I am, that's who I ran on, and that's who I'll continue to be. I've either voted on every bill that we've had in, in, a, in a way to protect life or, or presided in the center over life, and I'm very proud of where Missouri is in that position. Uh, what some people have asked me is if the legislature would send you something that had some exceptions in it, and you were governor, would you take a look at it? My answer was I will take a look at what they send me. So, you, I mean, there's no specific exception um, it's, it's a rabbit hole of scenarios out there. So I'm comfortable with the laws that we have on the books right now to protect life. Yeah, which are some of the strongest in the nation. Uh, what I know the 72-hour ban, which I was a part of with uh, Senator David Sader from Berry County, uh, when I was the floor leader that actually enacted the, the previous question to get that to pass in a special session, um, that was the strongest uh, waiting period in the country. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so uh, I know some of the things that have been floated – uh, by one of your gubernatorial adversaries, uh, Senator Eigel, uh, has been to try to do away with the personal property tax in the state of Missouri. Would you would you support something like that? Is that something you'd like to see the
2: legislature take up? Well, I haven't met. I, you know, I travel the state, meet thousands of Missourians. I haven't met anybody who likes personal property tax. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, But I have met an awful lot of people who want the fire department to show up when their house is on fire. And so if there's some tax policy changes, absolutely positively. Missourians will always be able to spend their money better than any government official can. But we need to make sure that we do it in a way that doesn't alleviate other services. I am never going to defund police departments across the state. And many police departments, as well as first responder departments, rely on a piece of that uh, property tax. Whether you like it or not, that's the framework. So if we're going to change that, and I'd be all in favor of doing that, we need to make sure that they have an ap- appropriate way to be able to protect our communities and continue to fund our police departments and men and women who are protecting our communities across the state every day.
1: Yeah, beca- because you'd, you'd have to increase something changes. home te- home, set, home taxes something or changes. sales taxes or something, right, to something make up changes. that revenue. Right. Yeah. You Kim? know, one
3: thing we asked Jay Ashcro- Ashcroft was about um, – Los Angeles County implementing this mask mandate and and the concern here of course would be will they do the same thing will Sam Page try to do that here in St. Louis County uh, where do you stand on that how would you handle that
2: well it's hard to predict what happens with uh, St. Louis City and St. Louis County sometimes and I'm from there so I can say that uh, the, uh, from the state perspective we are not uh, going to and have not ever issued mandates in that regard and we have no plans to do that period
1: would you, as governor, direct your your state health director
2: to step into that situation in St. Louis County? Because he'd have the authority to do that, right? I would. I would. I would suggest that we step in for a common sense solution, and a common sense solution would not be to force people to wear masks in and out of their lives. Uh, you saw that Missouri did not take these draconian actions back when COVID was at its prime, but yet our state was was less than in the middle of the pack affected by the COVID uh, virus. So what actions that some people took or didn't take didn't affect the way we came out and we didn't have mass lockdowns. We didn't have mask mandates. So it's ridiculous for us to be telling Missourians Missourians are pretty smart, is what I tell people all the time. They don't need government to tell them what to do every day. And if you're a business owner or an individual and you feel like you have to wear a mask or you're going to ask your employees to do it, that that's your decision and your customers will rank you or rate you accordingly.
1: Yeah, I, my, my only question there was, you know, they, they did have businesses shutting down in St. Louis County. Ridiculous. And that upset a lot of people. Ridiculous. Um, do, do you support the changes where the where there's a little more control? County
2: council has to vote on things like that? Absolutely. If you're a small business owner, which I've been for 35 years, right. can you imagine that? You've gone to a bank. You've built a business plan. You have customers. You have employees that are relying on paychecks to support their families to go home. And all of a sudden, the governor calls one day and says, hey, we've decided you're not an essential business and you need to shut down? I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Senator Ben Brown here is, knows this firsthand. I think that's actually why he ended up getting into politics because he was so tired of the heavy hand government was playing into his small business. I am not a fan of business, of government getting involved in small business in any way, whether it's a mass mandate or any other mandate.
1: But, but uh, not to kick the, the horse, would you step in in that situation yes. as governor?
2: Yes, to the extent that the Constitution and the authority of the governor would allow to happen.
1: Very good. Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, we appreciate you giving us some time this morning. Hey,
2: it's great to be on. Welcome welcome here, and come back
1: sometime and visit us. We'd love to have you. (laughs) We will do it, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, Lieutenant Governor Kehoe, we're going to get to the Attorney General coming up here in a couple minutes. Andrew Bailey is going to swing by and uh, say hello as we continue broadcasting live from Jefferson City. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, we're back live at the Capitol Rotunda down here as the legislative session gets ready to kick off. Missouri's Attorney General Andrew Bailey stopped by to say hello. Welcome in, sir. Hey, Mark, thanks for having me on. Thanks for being in Jefferson City. Good to see you. You you know, uh, I've been asking everybody this this morning. Is there something at the top of your priority list that you'd like to see the legislature address this year?
4: oh my gosh so many issues that need to be addressed to move this state forward uh, to protect our freedom you know protect our our safety our prosperity criminal justice is the top of mind right now you know there's so much going on in the state of missouri crime rates are at an all-time high and it's not isolated in urban areas you see it in rural areas as well what we've learned through kim gardner's disastrous uh, social project uh, that, that left blood in the streets businesses fleeing the city was that crime's a regional problem there's 115 114 counties plus the city of St. Louis, so 115 different jurisdictions, 46 judicial circuits. Crime doesn't care. The the crime that was allowed to occur in the city of St. Louis bled over into St. Louis County, St. Charles County, Lincoln County, Franklin County, uh, Jefferson County. You know, the, the, it was a regional issue, and, and certainly we see that a, across the state of Missouri. So we've got to get a handle on it. You know, to that end, my office has dedicated additional resources to fighting violent crime. We've obtained 19 convictions in jury trial over the past years, uh, past single year, uh, 35 additional guilty pleas, five murder cases. Uh, we're de- effectively deploying resources in the fight against violent crime, and we need help from the General Assembly to get that
1: under control. So you've been at it for a year now. Um, what's your proudest accomplishment?
4: You know, I think the top three, ousting uh, Kim Gardner uh, has got to be number one. Number two, our work in the case of Missouri v. Biden. That's the most important First Amendment suit in this nation's history. We will be at the United States Supreme Court. Here in the next couple months on that issue, briefings due now, uh, you know, sitting at that council table at the United States Supreme Court, r- representing the state of Missouri is a humbling opportunity to protect our constitutional right to free speech. And then uh, taking on the transgender sterilization industry in the state of Missouri and helping to put a stop to that to protect kids. I mean, those, those are the top
1: three important issues that we tackled last year and we were able to deliver wins for the people of the state. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I watched uh, some local media coverage yesterday in St. Louis. Um, and. The, here's the headline this morning. They're talking about mike moon has a, has apparently some legislation called the Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, which would simply require parental notification before your child is taught something uh, in school that you, you're you unaware of. Yeah. And immediately the LGBTQ community in St. Louis has attacked it as the debate of hate in the Missouri legislative session. Yeah, I, I
4: disagree with the progressive lefts on this, left-wing ideologues on this issue. They want to turn Missouri into California, and they're using our public schools to do it, and that's dangerous. That's the, They've turned our public educational system into a re-indoctrination system. And what we see too often, right now there's a statute on the books that, controls how human sexuality is allowed to be taught in schools and what's not allowed. And there's a parental opt-in or opt-out process, but the schools are getting around this by saying, well, this is just diversity education. It's not curriculum on on human sexuality. Or they'll take kids to drag shows and say, well, look, it's, it's not a sexual uh, event to go to a drag show. That's a lie, you know. The, the, this is the show me state. We know better than that, and and so they're just call, calling it something else and getting around the, the curriculum requirements. So I think the the senator Moon is absolutely right to push legislation to shore up and fill in the gaps on that. And attorney general's office stands ready to help enforce those provisions. Yeah. Well, uh, wh- where do things stand with uh, the transgender center at WashU? Well, the investigation's ongoing. You know, we had uh, obtained certain documents from them as part of our investigation. We pushed forward and and uh, were able to assist the general assembly in passing senate bill 49 senator moon's uh, legislation that put a stop to child sterilization in the state of missouri and we successfully defended that measure in court against the aclu's legal attack we're the first state in the nation to successfully defend that kind of measure at the trial court level really proud of the work that my team did uh, that litigation team did defending that statute and protecting the children of the state of missouri but the investigation's ongoing just because we've shut down the clinics doesn't mean we're not going to hold wrongdoers accountable retroactively. And so we've got to continue to, to push that investigation forward. We've asked for additional documents and Washu initially said yes, then changed their mind because they were, uh, I, I believe the Biden administration got involved and whispered in their ear to not cooperate further. So mm-hmm. we've taken that issue to court. We're going to get an answer from the courts.
3: I, I know you've done a lot of work with the wording as it relates to these initiative petitions with abortion. I mean, where do we stand at this point? Because I thought i had heard that only one of them had really started to get signatures. And, and I'm hoping that they won't get enough signatures to actually go before voters.
4: Yeah, I think we got to be clear about this. You know, the, my role was to ensure that the public had as much information as possible about the initiative petitions, and I f- feel like I faithfully executed that duty. I will tell you that these initiative petitions are dangerous. They take government completely out of any role in protecting the health and safety of women. Again, radical progressive ideologues want to turn Missouri into California, and the worst of the worst things that you see: dirty abortion machines with bacteria growing in them, women who are injured, uh, par you know, partial birth abortions, abortions based on race or gender, those unconstitutional behaviors, all of that evil is embodied in these petitions, and the public needs to understand that. It's not just as simple as, oh, should there be a rape and incest exception, or should there be these exceptions? These initiative petitions are the worst of the worst, and the public needs to know that.
1: Yeah, very good. The Attorney General Andrew Bailey is with us right now, and you know, there's a a huge debate in Texas. Obviously, the governor signed a law down there saying that he could arrest illegals and then deport them, I believe. It's only a matter of time before Missouri is going to face that same kind of decision. I mean, what do you think the law enforcement role should be there? Well, I think that the
4: states absolutely have a role to play because the federal government has abdicated its role in securing our southern border. President Biden cares not at all about our national sovereignty. It's evidenced by the chaos he's created at the border with increased fentanyl, human trafficking. Uh, He has outsourced control of the border of the cartel instead of the Department of Homeland Security that's supposed to be protecting Americans. You can see it in his allowing a Chinese spy balloon to fly over Missouri and stall in front of Missouri... military installations, mm-hmm. he cares not at all about our national sovereignty. So it's up to the states to step up. And I'll tell you, in the state of Missouri, there's it's a felony offense to knowingly uh, transport or uh, enter this state with an illegal criminal alien. And we're again, we stand ready to enforce those provisions. We've got two lawsuits pending right now against President Biden's failure to secure our southern border. Uh, he's got to build the border wall. That's one of the lawsuits. And he's got to end uh, the, the catch and release policy at the border. That's the other lawsuit. So we're going to be testifying. We're scheduled to testify in Congress
1: on these issues next week. Uh, I don't know how much time we've got left here so quickly the the governor administratively decided he would ban foreign ownership of within 10 miles of military installations yeah. does that need the legislation behind it you know, I think the
4: governor's doing everything he can under the statutes on the books today. It's going to be up to the General Assembly if more needs to be done there. And certainly we've got to stop foreign adversaries from acquiring land in Missouri. And I'm proud the governor's leading on that issue and doing everything he can under the laws that exist today. Yeah, Mr. Attorney General, appreciate
1: you coming in this morning. Thanks, Mark. Thanks yep. for having me on. Great to see you again. We appreciate that. All right, uh, we'll get to a quick break here. I think we got Senator Bill Eigel is going to be joining us. Governor Parson at the top of the hour at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Mark Cox Show live from Jefferson City. All right. Welcome back. Uh, We are live this morning down in Jeff City, the beautiful Capitol Rotunda. If you're watching us on Twitter there or the Facebook feed, you will see Missouri Senator Bill Eigel, also a candidate for governor, sitting here with us. Good morning to you.
5: Good morning, Mark. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, You made a little bit of headline yesterday with your reaction to the governor's administrative effort on, on foreign ownership of land in Missouri you're pretty critical of them but but you support the idea right
5: yeah uh, absolutely And, and yes I am critical of Mike Parson and Mike Kehoe on this issue because it was those two guys that in 2013 voted to allow China and other foreign entities to start buying our farmland in the first place. In fact, they because of the vote that they took in 2013, up to a quarter million acres of Missouri farmland can now be purchased by any foreign country, including China in the first place. And I, I've also been very frustrated as over the past couple of years, when we've been trying to fix this issue by closing that loophole, uh, they have done anything. You know, I called for a special session of the legislature over the summer when session ended and the legislature hadn't done anything, hadn't gotten anything done. Mike Parson ignored it. Mike Kehoe said nothing. So I would just want to welcome them to the conversation about protecting Missouri farmland from foreign ownership in the first place. What, what, sp- what spurred that? I'm trying to remember. Was it the
1: Chinese spy balloon flying over Missouri? I mean, I, I, I remember that. Uh, back in the summer when you tried to get him to do the, the, the uh, special session. Mm-hmm. What, why hasn't the legislature dealt with this? It seems like a no-brainer.
5: This is It's not only a known no-brainer, but we actually passed a bill out of the Senate last year that would have prohibited the foreign ownership of any far piece of – any even a single acre of farmland in this state, but it got caught up in politics. I mean, oh. we had the Secretary of State coming out saying dishonest things about the effects of the bill. Uh, we had the, the governor and the lieutenant governor not saying a word on this issue – and what's changed? Why are we waited till right now? Because right now is campaign season. And right now, it's politically expedient for Mike Parson to make an in-kind donation to the Mike Kehoe campaign by saying, hey, we're going to do something with an executive order on this issue. But here's the secret, and this is why I was critical of Mike Parson yesterday. That executive order that Mike Parson put out yesterday does nothing. In fact, under the executive order, it does so little that under his executive order, uh, which was supposed to target foreign adversaries, by the way, Osama bin Laden could come and buy a quarter million acres of Missouri farmland under the executive order that was issued yesterday. The leaders of Hamas and every major terrorist organization on the planet could come into Missouri and start buying up our farmland. That's how little that EO actually did. I am the only candidate for governor that wants to do two things. One, I want to make it illegal for any foreign country, not just China, but any foreign country from buying our land, because I'm the only gubernatorial candidate that thinks that Missouri ought to be owned by Missourians, and if not that, at least Americans. And two, I want to get the land back that we've lost. You know, we've lost hundreds of thousands of acres to China, to other countries. I think that we should require those foreign owners to give the land back. I'm the only one that, that's saying that, and I've got a constitutional amendment. Unfortunately, I just heard your, your uh, interview with Mike Kehoe. He didn't say a word about the constitutional amendment that will actually fix that problem.
1: No. Uh, you know, I know Governor Sanders down in Arkansas mm-hmm. signed a pretty strong bill on that. And if just correct me if I'm wrong –
5: it takes away any ownership that currently exists, correct? Would you that's, support that as well? Of course. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they and and my only uh, my only objection uh, to what Arkansas is doing is, uh, why did it have to be Arkansas leading the country on this issue? Why can't it be Missouri leading on the issue? You know, the, the essence of my campaign is that the status quo that's represented by Mike Kehoe or Jay Ashcroft, uh, where these guys are just taking what they feel is the easiest, most expedient answer that does the least amount of actual change. Change in this state is not is causing Missouri to stagnate. It's causing Missouri to fall behind the other big red states. I am sick of tired of getting up in the morning and seeing an Arkansas lead on an issue, of seeing a Texas lead on cutting taxes on, and seeing a, a Florida lead on uh, COVID defense. That ought to be Missouri. We have bigger supermajorities of Republicans in Jefferson City than any of those states. And we ought to have leaders in the governor's mansion on down that are calling on Missouri to be better than those other states so that we can set the tone. That's what makes me different from the other two.
3: You know, I know Representative Chris Dinkins was pushing for Governor Parson to to ban Palestinian refugees from coming here. And he, he really wouldn't wouldn't do that. How would you have handled that situation differently or how would you handle that if that comes about in the future?
5: Yeah, a great question, Kim. What a lesson in leadership it was for Mike Parson to hear him say that, well, you know, I, there's nothing I can do. I can't do anything about that. Well, here's the reality. Uh- Uh, the the cost of the 51,000 illegal immigrants that are estimated to be in the state of Missouri right now is costing taxpayers about $2.3 billion. It's also leading to increases in crime in St. Louis City and Kansas City and our urban areas that are leading the decline and the stagnation in the state of Missouri. That $2.3 billion in cost, just to put that in perspective, the value of every one of the personal property tax bills that all of us have paid in the past month is about $1.7 billion. So we could very clearly state that would you rather have illegal immigration in this state or would you rather get rid of personal property tax in this state so uh if i were the governor i could tell you here's what i would do one i'd start tripling the highway patrols on the highways leading into and out of st louis and kansas city and we'd start arresting not just folks that are coming into this state illegally but we would start arresting folks that were part of the human trafficking trade we would start arresting folks that were part of uh, the fentanyl trade and we would start holding get this guys we'd start holding our cities uh, accountable for the fact that they don't want to put criminals in jail mark you asked uh, Governor Kehoe uh, in your segment just a few minutes ago, what would we do about cities like St. Louis or St. Louis County when it comes to the COVID environment? Well, yes, of course, we'd get our, our health department engaged to prevent any more of those COVID environments from happening. But here's an idea. You know how much those cities take from the federal, from the, the state government in Jefferson City and how how dependent they are for some of the boondoggle projects that a guy like Sam Page and Tashara Jones wants to do a whole bunch. It's about time we had a governor in this state that was willing to hold them accountable and let them know that if you don't start protecting your citizens in St. Louis City and Kansas City, by the way, Kansas City is now in the top 20 for violent crime in the country. You're not going to get these, this gravy train of money from Jefferson City anymore, and we're going to hold you accountable, Sam Page. When are we going to have leadership like that in the great state of Missouri? And
1: yeah, it's a, it's a, it certainly be a different approach than than what we've seen on those issues in mean, a willingness to just step in. So, what are you hoping to get accomplished down here this year? I I've, I listened to some analysts the other day pointing out that you know we always get to the last couple of weeks of the session and. Things get tied up in the gears. Somebody's accused you of potentially grandstanding in the Senate this year because you're running for governor. Um, how, how do you respond to those allegations?
5: Well, the things I'm going to fight for this year are the same things I've been fighting for for the past seven years. And, Mark, you know this. You've been following me as long as I've been in office. Right. Here's the reality. I've never been in po- I've never been popular in Jefferson City because I don't assimilate and do what the folks here in Jefferson City tell me to do. I'm fighting for the things that the people of this state actually want. You know what? If I had to pick one thing that I wanted to get accomplished this year, I'd get rid of personal property tax. I mean, you asked Mike Kehoe that question as well uh, just a few minutes ago, and I, nobody... if if If, you're, if anybody is serious about cutting the tax burden, anybody, then the first thing they ought to say when they're asked a question like that is acknowledging the fact that government at all levels has too much of our cash, that the tax burden in this state is higher than it's ever been, that people are struggling to stay in their homes and afford their cars because of a personal property tax that most other states have gotten rid of. Mike Kehoe couldn't even say that because he doesn't actually believe in cutting taxes. In fact, everything that he's been doing has been raising taxes, raising your gas tax, raising fees, increasing government. I'm gonna go in there as the governor of this state. We're gonna bring down the spending that's gotten out of control in Jefferson City, and I have watched it firsthand. We have increased the spending in this state under Governor Parson and Mike Kehoe more in the seven years that they've been in office than every Democratic governor combined going back to the founding of the state. We're gonna have a fiscal conservative in this state and we get when we get rid of all the waste in that fifty-one billion dollar budget, we're not just gonna get rid of personal property tax, we're gonna get rid of the income tax in this state and we are going to unleash a Missouri that the Texases and the Tennessees and that the Arkansas's are going to be looking to for leadership in this country. Let's go, Missouri. Isn't our budget bigger than the state of Illinois? <laughs> it's not only. It's bigger. It's, <laughs> is it? To, here, how is that here's possible? What, here's, here's what's crazy. We spend twice per person in Missouri than what Florida spends per person. And yet, I don't think that anybody would argue that we have a more elderly population than Florida. You want to know why Florida and Texas and Tennessee are growing? Because their Republicans made good on the promises that they were going to be fiscal stewards of the people's money. We have been let down by a group of moderate, weak-kneed Republicans. And unfortunately, I like Mike Kehoe as a person. He's a great guy. But the reality is he has been been part of the center-left coalition that is stagnating the state of Missouri. And as I travel around the state... I hear this every day from thousands of Republicans that are furious about it and I want to I want if they're hearing me right now Mark I want them to know if you're angry out there if you're frustrated at the lack of progress for Missouri in this state moving forward you are not alone there are millions of Missourians that are ready for Missouri to become a leader in these United States 2024 is going to be the year where we're overthrowing the swamp in Jefferson City
1: Senator Bill Igel our guest just quickly I was looking the other day I think I might have been the Missouri Scout that reported on on fundraising uh, by the three candidates in
5: the race right now you had a good quarter yeah, we, we're going to report. Get you know, we're going to report over two and a half million dollars raised for 2023. Nobody thought we could raise that much money. We have had uh, more than a hundred thousand individuals uh, put in dollars to my campaign to help me get my message out. My average donation, Mark, is twenty-three dollars. Now I'm not getting the super large checks like a guy like Mike Kehoe, who's owned by the special interest in Jefferson City. By the way, his average donation is over seven thousand dollars per donation. That's the kind of support he's getting from very few people. But the actual folks that are going to go to the polls in August that are looking to cut personal property tax, that are looking to defend our farmland, that are looking to do all the things that Republicans only seem to talk about in campaign season, they're coming to my side. That's why we're moving up in the polls. That's why we're raising millions of dollars. And and on August 6th of 2024, this building right here that we're sitting in right now in Jefferson City is going to get a shock that they can't even imagine right now. Let's go, Missouri.
1: Bill Igo, we appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks, guys.
5: Have a great morning. Happy New Year.
1: Thank you. Thanks for stopping by. We, good stuff. Hey, coming up uh, next hour, we are going to talk to Andrew Koenig. Senator Koenig is going to stop by. Uh, Dean Plocker, the House Speaker. Uh, Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman is going to phone in here. we were going to get her in person, but I think she's hit traffic somewhere on her way in this morning. Bill made it, though, didn't you? You drove in today,
0: didn't you? I did.
5: Yeah, uh, I thought it, so. It was, it was great. Yeah,
0: I thought so. <laughs> All right, quick break. We're going to be back in just a minute. If you're down. All right, live down in Jeff City this morning, and uh, Carl
1: still scheduled all the music. You told me Stephen Stills is almost 80 years old. Yes, it's his wow. birthday, and it's also John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin's birthday. Okay. So that's why you've been hearing a lot of Zeppelin today. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Kim, did you know who Stephen Stills was?
3: Nope. I know Led nope.
1: Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, she knew Led Zeppelin. That's good. Okay.
3: Crosby, Stills, Crosby, Nash, Stills and Nash, and Young. No.
1: No? No, you nothing? Nope. Did you know the song we just played?
3: Uh, Not often. I mean, just a little bit that we played, no. Okay. That's all right.
1: I went and saw Crosby, Stills, and Nash at uh, Enterprise. Might have been Stiefel back then. I, I, it was a long time ago, and we were up in a suite mm-hmm. in the back of the place, and it was all gray hair because, obviously, they're <laughs> all really old. <laughs> even even well, He's then, almost 80. Even then, and there was a lot of um, – Wacky weed floating around in, in Enterprise that Don't night, believe as I remember. <laughs> Long before it was legal. Just to, yeah, that, that's it. Uh, anyway, uh, we're having a good time down here in Jeff City. Good, good to see everybody. The, the building is actually starting to wake up now. We've been here since 5 a.m., and um, all the offices and the lights are coming on. you probably see me a little better. I, I feel bad about the, the uh, live feed this morning, but for some reason the camera on my computer isn't just not i can't seem to get the the brightness to uh, to pick up and carl some? middleman carl <laughs> middleman's computer seems to work fine I'm over sitting here and, next to mark and it looks like i'm in a different plan I, I know i know i don't know i'll have to find somebody smarter than me with a mac who knows how to b- lighten up the uh the, the camera here carl's Do you over understand here in his
3: three-piece Kim? suit looking all nice and dapper <clears throat> And Mark's in a dark cave.
1: He outdressed me, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I did wear a sports coat. You a a look nice and a too, sweater. Mark,
3: but Carl, I think, one-upped you with the three-piece suit.
1: <laughs> well, I've, we've, I've been doing this for eight, nine years now, and I know that this place is very cold when yes. there's no one here. And so I dressed warmly.
3: Did you bring your top it, hat and your monocle? Smart.
1: I do have an overcoat. But yes, yeah. We we are uh, in fact the Harry Truman uh, uh, bust is right to Carl's left. Turn the uh, turn the your camera around there, Carl, so people can can see Harry over our shoulder here. And then and and then directly behind Carl, against the wall back there, is Rush Limbaugh's bust. See that against um, against the wall? If you're looking, that's not great radio for people that aren't watching on the Facebook feed this morning. That's why you should be morning. watching, Mark. Yeah, but it's it's another reason why. Uh, people need to come down here and visit at some point. If you haven't been here in a long time, just this main hall outside of the uh, the House Chambers here uh, is filled with busts of famous Missourians. Uh, Omar Bradley is over there. I saw a minute ago. I see Mark Twain across the way here. Walt Disney. Walt Disney is down here. Carl got a picture with him yesterday. Uh, so that's uh, that's what's going on. We got we do have uh, Governor Parson uh, joining us in the next hour. We can talk to him more about. Maybe Bill Igles' criticism of, of the, uh, the land issue when it comes to foreign ownership. Um, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that we'd want to be careful with who we're selling property to so close to a military installation. I mean, you don't want to stop a, a foreign company like a, you know, a BMW or a car manufacturer from coming in and being able to put a plant in. You don't want something that restrictive. Uh, but you certainly need to know who's who's buying a property if, if it happens to be close to a potentially sensitive military installation like, uh, you know, Whiteman or somewhere like that. So I, I, I see the concern over that. We'll we'll talk it over with uh, with Governor Parson here uh, right after the top of the hour. Then we'll get to uh, Dean Plotker, uh Speaker of the House, and, uh, of course, running for uh, Lieutenant Governor. And we're going to chat with him at about 8.35 um, and uh, and see what his plan is because you know he's the gatekeeper of what's going to what legislation is going to get through uh, the House this year. So we're going to get to all that and more. We continue our live coverage from Jefferson City. We'll be back after the top of the hour. You're listening to the Mark Cox Morning Show. Follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Cox 971.
0: Get more at 971Talk.com.